Testing. Check. Checkity. Check. Check. <laughs> what was that? What was that guitar? Was it just a little? I think that was him connecting to his Bluetooth. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, this should be make for some interesting. This this will be one of our more interesting episodes in terms of just quality for, and scenario. From over there talking to us now. And, and while we'll, we're recording, we'll be out of your hair in like five minutes or not five minutes, but not too long. Oh, are we going to, well, I'll raise you an out of your hair, um, in 15 minutes. They're, they're only getting <laughs> half the conversation that, that is assuming okay. we're leaving it in. Yes. 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 We're recording. This is, this is, it's called a cold open. Uh, and boy, this one's cold. Yeah, and open. <laughs> and open. We, we would like to record, so if you could not bass boost Billie but, Eilish over there for a bit, that would be nice. Thank you. But. But? I do, what, what about your butt? Well, I'm more concerned about his. <laughs> with all that. We new, won't elaborate. New, new, we, we won't. New. It'll just be in your imagination if you weren't here. Yes. You, you had to be there. But also kind of glad you aren't, because then that would mean we'd have more spectators in the studio. Yeah, which I suppose you could say this is a proper studio because you can close this in. We're new. We're in a new spot now. Yeah, you could close it if you, most of your stuff wasn't blocking off yeah. the other door. Not like it would soundproof this. Yeah, place we're any we're in a new house. Anyway. I've started it moving my a relative term. Yeah, I started moving most of my stuff over here but it's all piled up in the living room waiting to be redistributed yeah we are we are moving house because we're getting kicked out of the other one for well i not, mean it was part of the plan the whole time Yeah, we, we agreed to get kicked out at this time yep um our contract of sorts was up so and so now we oh he found oh the no. base booster found- base booster no, booster booster um we're doing our npr radio voice no i quit doing that because i <laughs> no. thought it was annoying we're also it's also a little different this week well for one thing it's memorial day week um so which was, is kind of why we're kind of haphazard here a little, a little haphazard it's just nathan and i today riley's gone and john is apparently also gone so we're just kind of going for it as in, a duo in half the living room occupied by our future roommates yep <laughs> or current well, kind of current kind of future we're in that transitory period where it's hard to tell yep so we are in between as it is as as it were speaking um, of transitions no not yet. no no no, no. <laughs> but it's like mm. Mm, not quite there not quite there i know i know i just speaking of transitions was the perfect transition because but now it's not anymore because we didn't it's not transition anymore. into now we're anything. Talk- we transitioned into a discussion about transitions, though. Yeah. So it still works. Fair enough. It's um, also J- July- June, but so it takes a slightly different meaning, but we're not going to go into that. Yeah. I, um, oh, gosh. <laughs> I, uh, uh, um, I 
it's kind of interesting how we moved away from the Newman Center and then we moved back to across the street. Where did that bring you? Right full back to me. Yeah, full squirrel. <laughs> Brought full. us full squirrel. <laughs> the radius of a squirrel? Yeah. Have you talked about the radius of a squirrel on the podcast? Maybe my mom, when she would teach us our math lessons, would... When she'd try to say circumference of a circle, it'd always come out circumference of a squirrel because usually this was like early afternoon after we'd eaten lunch and she, everybody felt kind of sleepy and we made the mistake of doing math lessons on the couch <laughs> in the living room. So instead of at our desk, so that, that led to some rather half awake lessons, but I promise I got a good education. Um, but, but yes, the circumference of a squirrel is what often came out. But like, where would you measure it from? From the squirrel's center of gravity or from I like... I think if a squirrel was like curled up in sort of a roll. Or is it like the, the bushier tailed ones that'll have the end of the tail a little bit curled? You just yeah, which way is the cross the section here? That's kind of an that interesting That is the question. question. I mean, just chop its head off and it's a circumference of the neck? I guess. Or... or did there, there are multiple circumferences you can measure on most living organisms. Since... They're generally three-dimensional. Yes. There's like multiple ways you can cut them and get cross-sections and get circles and mm -hmm. in such a way. And then you can cook them. How many two-dimensional circles can be projected on the human body, I wonder? A great, a vast number, I would vast imagine. Vast number, yeah. How Particularly many, if you consider we are. the inner organs and stuff. Oh, yeah. We have a nearly infinite number of polygons, if you will, just because nothing is a... unwieldy large number most of it's air too it's weird <laughs> yeah because it's like there's like in atoms have like you know their their there's mass empty space between out. yeah we're mostly water but most of that water is empty space and most of that empty space is we, it, we we're still figuring that out <laughs> still, yeah there's a lot of subatomic particles and stuff we don't really know exactly what they well, are or what they do and I am not, that's not my field of science. So no, but it's interesting it's, to it's think cool about. stuff to like ruminate on. It's like, whoa. Whoa. But yeah, I, I, um, I think movies like Ant-Man or other things, I mean, understandably, but tend to really, really dumb this subatomic stuff down. I mean, you, you got to kind of dumb it down in order to make it digestible for your average um, like audience goer. Yeah, but I mean, like, stuff you don't also, understand is basically magic, right? And that's sort of what it ends up being. Right. The, the weird thing is, though, in the movie specifically, like, Ant-Man's power is described as um, he, like, um, condenses the, the space between atoms. Oh, yeah. Which means he has the same mass at all times. But density. But he is... should also... His density changes. And also, he should never be able to go subatomic because... That's not how it goes. There's only so much you, you cram yeah. the atoms together. He basically makes a black hole at that point. Yep. It would have been a little more believable, well, air quotes, sci-fi believable, mm -hmm. that um, if they stuck with the comic book um, def or, uh, explanation where there's this parallel dimension that he is pulling extra matter from and releasing extra matter into when he changes size. Which, it's hard to be say like, which is the lazier explanation well here's the thing if you have the same space let same mass but increase the space to be giant man 
you're not going to be smashing any planes or fighting Iron Man or anything. You're just going to be blown around in the wind because you're just a giant sail at that point. Yeah, you'd probably break your bones fairly easily. Well, that's probably. Yeah, you're not going to be but, punching yeah. a truck or anything. They just wanted some science fiction explanation to say big men get tiny. And honestly, I'm not really the kind of person who, at least for this sort of thing, it's science fiction, and that you just sort of accept it and move on. But also, I think the as long as it as it follows the rules that it sets up, right. And there's obviously going to be one spot where science fiction breaks a rule. Is it pausing again? No, okay. we're good. No, we're good. Okay, mm-hmm. this is anyway. It's being troublesome today. There's because science fiction is fiction. There's going to be a spot where it breaks the rules at least one at one point. But if it's consistent about where it breaks the rules and the consequences of breaking that rule, Mm -hmm. then it's something you can suspend your disbelief for that one point, just put a little pin in it, and then uh, let the rest happen. Mm -hmm. Which is, I like like science fiction. Science fiction is cool. It's more about exploring interesting concepts, yeah. And then sometimes those what-ifs actually make, are things that happen later. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine when they were writing Flash Gordon and Dick Tracy, they would have never thought that we'd have actual watches that relay video and mm-hmm. audio to another person's watch. Yep. And it's sort of one of those self-fulfilling prophecy kind of situations, I feel like, for some things like that. Where it's like, you know what? This would be cool. Let's imagine it and show off how cool we think it would be. And then people are like, yeah. People grow up watching those movies. And they're like, you know what? Let's do that now that we have the technology, and then mm-hmm. they or they develop technology to do that because and it happens to be very practical in some cases and very impractical in others. Like say your smartwatch versus smart glasses. Like you know, there's the whole Google uh, Google Glass thing. Like maybe 10, 12 years ago that they tried to get mm-hmm, going, and mm-hmm. then it was just like people couldn't see. Yeah, is the HUD? But they, the but HUD they, can only be so far away from your face and be practical. They still have the Iron Man HUD in like the movies, though, so it's still a cool idea people have, or like yeah. the, the Edith glasses from Far From Home, Spider Man. Yeah. So it's I like feel it's like... still a thing people think would be cool, and so later, maybe when the technology actually gets practical. Well, I mean, like with if a HUD's projected onto something a little further away from your eyes, it's more practical. Like you know, a fighter pilot helmet, for example, would have a HUD projected onto the visor, and I think oh, that's sure. kind of what they're going for with Iron Man. It's just like the way they shoot it. You know, it's um, it looks like it's a lot closer to his face. Well, because it's a close-up to Robert Downey Jr. Yep. And they want to show off that face, and so they won't don't want to obscure it too much with uh, with things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, um, um, kind of hard to obscure things in a desert. We're talking about, well, we're the Palladium Papists. I'm James. I'm Nathan, and today we don't have a third person. Nope. Um, and we're also getting philosophical about the movie Mad Max Fury Road. So, yes. Tell us about uh, Mad Max Fury Road, Nathan. It Well, Mad Max Fury Road came out in 2015. It's like... I believe the fourth movie in the Mad Max series or something like, but it's also kind of a reboot because it really doesn't reference anything and it doesn't have, um, uh, I think the originals had Mel Gibson, Mel Gibson. This has, um, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy as Max. I think, yeah, I think it's supposed to be the same continuity. If I'm not mistaken. 
there's some theory that this Max might be a character from one of the previous Max's Mad Max movies that was a kid at the time. Oh, who sure. Grew up to be the new Mad Max. Mm-hmm. But really, that doesn't have much bearing on it. There is some. Because like, you never even hear his name. He just calls himself Max. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, and there is some uh, backstory that's alluded to. In fact, the movie kind of starts where he is just kind of shambling through the wasteland post-apocalyptic desert because that's the setting of Mad Max. It's this mm-hmm. like nuclear fallout world that's been decimated. So now he's all in the desert that used to be North America, we can assume. Mm-hmm. And he's like being haunted by visions of this little girl. Who's like, why didn't you save me? You, you, you suck. Mm-hmm. And he's a little bit bothered by that. So he just, the movie opens, he's in the desert, his car breaks down and he just kind of passes out. He then wakes up because he has been captured by the, um, by the war boys, which is the, the, a group led by a character named Immortan Joe. Mm hmm. Uh, Joe's like this the this tribal leader with a great big mask, and he's all freaky and scary looking. And really pale. Max character designs. Yep, pale. And he he leads this like society of like very warlike, very tribal people. Mm-hmm. And he because they live in the desert, water is very scarce, and so you mm-hmm. control the water, you control the people. Yep. So he will miraculously air quotes release. Uh, water to the people every week or so so that they survive and depend on him. And things are almost like an ant colony in that each oh, type yeah. of person serves a specific role. Right. There's like the, the war boys who are the fighters who ride on the giant like trucks because that's the other thing. They have these big war trucks that are all spiky and all flamey and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so and then, yeah. And then and, you just have uh, women are basically... Yeah, he's are yeah, they're basically tools and almost all the like people livestock. are basically tool, tools and livestock to him. Mm-hmm. He's got like a, a room full of like five or six wives. He's got like people who are whose job it is to have kids. He's got people whose job it is to fight and die. There's people whose job it is to just be helpless on the bottom, you know. Mm-hmm. So one of so anyway, that's kind of where where we are. This little place in the desert that's run by this cruel tyrant. Mm-hmm. Um, and his guys just at the time of Max's r- return, um, they just got back from fighting somebody in their trucks and stuff, and they're all being celebrated as heroes. There's one guy named Nux who is kind of who, who's I believe sick with he's probably got, radiation he's, poisoning. He's got some, cancer. Yeah. Oh, he's got cancer. That's he's got a couple of big tumors. Because of radiation poisoning and stuff, because post-apocalyptic nuclear fallout stuff. Mm-hmm. But in order, so in order to keep him alive, they need to transfuse fresh, fresh blood into him, right? And so, who do they have with fresh blood? They have Max. Mm-hmm. So they tie Max up onto a pole and run a tube from his arm into Nux's arm. And call and, him Blood Bag. Yeah, they, they just, he just refers to him as Blood Bag for half the movie. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of Max's scenario right now. Um, meanwhile, outside, um, there's, uh, Immortan Joe is sending one of his best drivers out, Furiosa. She's like, got a robot arm and she's cool and stuff. Mm -hmm. And she's like one of his best drivers. Um, and she's going to go out to get ammunition and gasoline and just the supplies 
So they're sending her off with the great big send off, and it's this whole thing. She's escorted by a group of war boys, and so she she goes off to do that. But um, turns out she's not actually planning to do that because she yep. has other plans. Because mm-hmm. she was kidnapped from another tribe, like as a child, mm-hmm. and then brought up in uh, Joe's uh, society. Mm-hmm. So she kind of resented him her, her whole life. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay, we're good. So she's got this great big plan to to bust out, and she's taken with her several of Joe's wives. Mm-hmm. So this gets him very, very mad, mm-hmm. as one would expect. Well, yep. So while she's trying to lose his boys in the desert, Joe rounds up his war posse, and uh, that drags Max along with, because Nux is one of the, one uh, of the fighter warriors, guys. Yeah. So there's this... So that leads to a great big uh, car chase scene mm-hmm. where they're all driving through the desert is trying to lose them and mm-hmm. don't they drive into a sandstorm or is that a different point that is like at the end of this sequence yeah but um at some point i believe uh mac there's like two waves where she's trying to get away from her immediate posse her squad and she manages that mm-hmm. um and then that's when max catches up because i think nux was in the initial like uh, yeah. accompanying party with her mm-hmm. it's been a bit since i've seen it yeah but um so max and her kind of team up tentatively just because it's like max wants to he manages to escape and he manages to escape go into the sandstorm yeah so large large set piece action moment because that's a lot a lot of this movie not a whole lot of story happens it's just a lot of Mm-hmm. A lot of. I mean, there is storytelling in the. Oh, absolutely. Action, but we'll, we'll and get it's to very that. subtle. We'll get we'll, to we'll that. We'll get to that. So yeah, they drive through a sandstorm to lose most of the guys, but in the in the struggle, Max ends up on the rig that uh, Furiosa is driving, mm-hmm. and so uh, they, he he's you know kind of angry and doing his own thing and trying to figure out what's going on, so he tries to steal the car but then they catch up with him so they all kind of make a deal to you know what we're all trying to escape this uh-huh. let's uh not kill each other maybe mm-hmm. yeah let's, uh, let's team up for now and i think that's when it's and, revealed to max that she's helping these the wives you know harem escape mm-hmm. and one of them like joe's favorite is pregnant currently so mm-hmm. there's also that yep um yeah i was gonna say something about the about teaming up? About the teaming up. Um, what is it going to say? Anyway. <laughs> they team up. <laughs> this is real professional. Yeah. Anyway, they give them some water. They team up. And this is like, oh, wait, that's what it is. This is the first time Max actually talks in the movie. Yep. The rest is very, very grunty, very not many words. But now he like actually has to communicate with people. So he starts talking, which mm-hmm. is like kind of neat. He's yep. been a silent protagonist up to this point. Yep. And for the rest of the movie, he's a mostly silent protagonist mm-hmm. because his actions kind of speak louder than his words. Yep. So anyway, after the sandstorm clears up and they're in the car, um, Furiosa had made a deal with another rival gang to um, so to help protect them as they pass through this canyon. And yep. they're like all on motorcycles and stuff. But then for whatever reason... Oh, I believe they realized that... Um, 
the, the leader of the biker gang realizes that, oh, this isn't just a supply run. You're escaping by yourself. This is you're escaping with some of Joe's best women. So uh, I don't want to get on Joe's bad side like that. Yeah. So they kind of turn on her and there's an even bigger chase scene where the bikers and Joe's gang team up and they go through the, the canyon and mm-hmm. it's this whole thing. And I think it's at this, during this chase scene where Nux gets stuck on the rig. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Right. And also it's when it's at, it's during this chase scene where the pregnant wife falls off and gets run over and dies, mm-hmm. which makes Joe very sad and very angry because he, it turns out he had a son, mm-hmm. uh, when during the autopsy, the, the autopsy, they find out. Um, so yeah, Nux is uh, has stowed away on the, war rig they're riding mm-hmm. uh, and kind of pops out to threaten them and uh, try and earn his glory because the whole thing is it's like they they're all like, trying to please their master right right it's like I'll see you in Valhalla brother and he mm-hmm. sprays himself with spray paint and goes and tries to kamikaze himself but uh, so yeah he's he's basically threatening to to kill but they they restrain him and tie him in the back and stuff but I forget ex- <laughs> I forget exactly when it is, but he... Well, he comes around. He kind of comes around um, because, like, uh, there's one of the wives that he kind of starts... To connect to with. To connect with, and he realizes, oh, maybe these these are people, and maybe mm-hmm. I should start thinking for myself instead of believing everything they tell me. Mm-hmm. So Furiosa, this whole time, has been driving with a direction in, in mind. Because she has heard of this green place, like one of the last few green places out there. Mm-hmm. So they keep and I think this is where she was originally, where she had where grown she was up. from originally. Yeah. yeah. So after they escape the canyon, it's like nightfall, and they drive and they drive and they're driving and driving and they still go driving. through like this. They go, <laughs> through, they the go through the swampy, swampy area, area. Um, and it's during this point where there's a lot, a uh, bit of a uh, lull in the action, where we mm-hmm. get to have Max and the people talk and kind of figure out what's going on and kind of mm-hmm. get more comfortable with each other while also having high tensions. Cause well, somebody's got a gun mm-hmm. <laughs> and stuff. So after the next morning, after driving through the night, they come, they meet like there's this scout lady who's kind of keeping watch for her group. And a bunch of uh, bikers come up and come around them. And then it's, a group of it's basically this tribe of women who are the only people left from the screen place. Yeah, the and these biker ladies are who Furiosa was originally from, mm-hmm. and it and they were like, so uh, we drove all this way. Where's the green pay, place? And they're like, you, you know that swamp you just drove through? Yeah, that that was it. That's that's what's left. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh crap. Mm-hmm. So we drove all this way for kind of nothing. Yeah, you kind of did. Well, that's that sucks. So they they kind of get disappointed for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Max has kind of a crazy idea, but he's Mad Max, so what do you expect? Yeah. And he's like, you know what? Every war boy is on those rigs trying to chase us and hunt us down. They're after us. The and home base with all the water is unguarded. Yeah, the home base with all the water is unguarded. And it's, he's, Joe has a lot of water and a lot of greenery to... Mm-hmm. Uh, power his lavish lifestyle and he only gives out just enough to the people to make them follow him blindly, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so Max has this idea. It's like, what if we just drove back and passed them and took over? We could, and we lose them in the in the canyon. We kind of block that off mm-hmm. with like the bombs and munitions that you have on board. So we just blow blow up part of the canyon. They can't get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if we did that? And Furious is like, you know what? You're you're crazy. Let's do it. Yep. <laughs> and so. And so that's the final act of the the film. They they they're driving back. There's a great big chase sequence where they, um, um, Nux sacrifices himself to uh, block the canyon mm-hmm. and out the explosive. And after the after they blow up the canyon during the battle, Furiosa got very damaged, mm-hmm. very very bad, um, injured, uh, so injured that she needed a blood transfusion. And so uh, Max, having a needle handy and not worrying about. Uh, diseases of some of whatever kind because those yeah. don't um he he gives her he donates his blood to her so that she can survive mm-hmm. and then they make it back i believe um i'll check the the wiki but i believe like there's one final standoff with joe who yeah. just makes it back yeah um but uh, after max like they like drive the truck into the water tower and release the water to all the people so it's like you don't have control over here Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the chaos of you know just people being liberated and uh, rejoicing, he just sort of slips away. Yeah, Max just kind of walks away um, because at this we've had several more flashbacks with the little girl he failed to save, mm-hmm. but he has at this point kind of overcome those demons and um, redeemed himself in his own eyes by doing this act and saving these people. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the plot. That's the short of it. It's, yep. There's not a whole lot that happens in the movie, but mm-hmm. it's how it happens and the meaning who it, and it. the meaning behind it. Yeah, because essentially it's just there and back again a Mad Max tale. Yeah, minus my dragons, but but it's mostly how it's executed that I like mm-hmm. because this movie is kind of fun to watch yeah it's like got all these um chase sequences that are practical effects and all actual stunt drivers jumping back and forth between cars on swinging pike poles over the over the top flames coming out of trucks there's just one truck that has flames shooting out the back and a guy playing electric guitar non-stop who's like tied to the, mm-hmm. the car so it's this whole thing, the the weird over to, over the top zany world, the colors like really saturated, like really heavy orange. Oh yeah, for like the flames and then the desert and then and blue it's like for the sky, like vibrant orange brown during like the 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 sandstorm. The mm-hmm. night is like blue. Mm-hmm. It's like so. There's a lot of really stark and interesting and cool color choices, mm-hmm. and all the characters like Max is pretty normal looking, but then you go into all of um, Joe's war boys, and they're all like painted, painted crazy white. colors. They're all with, bald and painted white, and they got these crazy outfits. Or like mm-hmm. with like the, the leader of the biker gang who has like his a metal nose stapled to his nose because it fell off at some point mm-hmm. because you know it's the post apocalypse. Yep. There's like guys with great big tumors that are painted like there's. Isn't there one that has a tumor that has a smiley face? That's like yeah, he, that's Nux. Th- that's Nux. He he named his tumors. Yep. So yeah, the point is that there's just really visually kind of crazy. It's yeah, but it's like it's weird and grisly, but it's cartoonishly grisly, mm-hmm. and it's never like grisly without a point, because yeah. 
like the the whole point is to illustrate how uh, just thug like Joe's crew is and how yeah. they treat each other and how they treat their under sort of his character design too. Like he has this big mask and then he's, he's kind of fat while everybody else is kind of thin and starved looking. Mm-hmm. And he's got like this crazy stringy white hair and mm-hmm. like everybody's got tattoos. There's like some, and there's like some recurring thug characters that you don't, I don't really remember the names of, Yeah, but, but they're like, not really the point. That's not really the point. They just have to have a striking design. So they're fun to watch fall off a car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then, so yeah, that's that's kind of like that's one of the cool things. It's like it's a visual, it's a spectacle. Yeah, it is. Yeah. visually fun to watch unfold. A lot of a lot of the storytelling is done via the action, and also there's a lot of like um, atmospheric design world building mm-hmm. where it's like everything is built from spare parts. Yeah, all the cars are look like they're three cars mashed together. Character is the driving force of this movie. Yeah, there's a. There's a lot of distinct visual character and, yeah. Character to the setting and different things like that. So. And also the characters are mm-hmm. a driving force of this film. Yeah. Um, because I think there's there's like not a whole lot of characters, but the characters that are there really are kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. One of the things I like about the the character arcs is because is at the beginning, everybody, all, all the main characters are kind of, doing things for other people they're like being subjugated they're being like and and they're driven to break away from that for selfish reasons right like curiosa has been driving her life her whole life for joe and doing joe's bidding Mm -hmm. max has been being used as a blood bag by Nux. Mm-hmm. Nux tried to throw himself throw his life away a couple of times mm-hmm. for the sake of his cause and, and his being brothers a good being warrior. a good warrior. Um and then like the there's the one of his one of Joe's wives that was that got a connection with Nux, right? Mm-hmm. They were all being used as women mm-hmm. in in uh their situation. So but by the end of the movie, all of them were doing the same things they were doing like they were forced to be doing, but it was their choice at that point mm-hmm. because Furiosa chose to drive at the car for her her people. Yep. Nux chose to sacrifice himself for something that actually was worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, Nux's girlfriend chose to show affection for someone that she actually cared about. Mm-hmm. Max offered his own blood for someone he cared about instead of having it be taken from them. Mm-hmm. So having all the characters at the start reflect where they were at the end. Yeah. But like this time it was their choice of sacrifice rather than it being uh, forced out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think uh, it's really interesting how that, that whole dynamic plays out because it's like, you know, People, you know, they're being used unjustly. And then out of that, you know, to break away from it, they sort of have somewhat selfish inclinations and tendencies. But then they realize in order to really break free from their use, they have to use... From their slavery. From their slavery, they have to use their freedom to serve others in some way. Right. Right. Which sets everyone free in the end. Right. It's sacrifice that... Um, frees people from slavery. Mm-hmm. So that's in more ways than one. In more ways than one. 
So yeah, I guess so that's, uh, that's some of the cool stuff, and I think we're beginning to bleed into the truth. This is going to be a short episode. Yeah, and that's okay. Um, truth. What are some truths we can get from this movie? Beyond, I mean, we sort of started. A we kind of did start with the the sacrifice and the slavery that that whole mm-hmm. um, I mean, symbolism I, there. Yeah, and it's reflective of like life too. Like you know, there are probably things in life where things bad things happen to you, or you know, someone's used you in some way, and other things like that. But if you sort of lash out or, you know, act out in ways that are selfish on your part, all you're doing is spreading the selfishness and the hurt around. Whereas if you instead turn it around and redeem that suffering by, you know, serving others and, you know, creating more good in the world, then you break the cycle. Right. And everyone's the better for it. And that's the thing the the under Joe's reign, they had this cycle they were living in. Mm-hmm. And there was there was life, there was death, there was birth, there was this whole thing under this cycle that mm-hmm. he controlled, um, and it was not a good cycle. Mm-hmm. But then it took Furiosa and Max and Nux, their sacrifice and their their um, self giving mm-hmm. to break that cycle. Yeah, and I think sort of the water symbolizing um, people's freedom, but also like also access to grace. If you want to look at it through sort of a, a religious lens like if you think about you know people being enslaved to sin for mm-hmm. you know for years in the desert for years in the desert and then you know water was a, coming forth from the rock as it were as it were um but like yeah like if you look at water is grace which is kind of a common symbol and maybe this was the intention of the writers who knows but to sort of at least bring these motifs i think in, in this case it was more like you control the water you control the gas you control the people mm-hmm Water more represents control and freedom, mm-hmm. where Joe hoarded all the control and freedom. Yeah. And when they were driving to the green place, they wanted a place with water and growth that symbolized freedom. Mm-hmm. It wasn't found there. Yeah. And it, they thought they could just go out and find freedom, but then they, they just... had to go fight for it and seize it. Yep. And, and uh, having seized it, then release it for everyone to right. benefit. Because they could have just become warlords themselves. They were in a prime position to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they chose to break the cycle. Mm-hmm. Right. There's also the the subplot about Max's backstory. Yeah. Where he's tormented by who he lost and who he failed to save. Mm-hmm. And so in saving other people... Well, at the beginning of the movie, he's sort of just kind of wandering about the wasteland, trying kind of to wallowing in his self pity and trying to—I don't know what he's trying to do. He's just mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to run away from it, run away from himself, sort of. Right. Yeah, and there's a lot of this. That's kind of another theme: running away from things. Yeah. But running away from things wasn't the answer. They and had, running away doesn't give freedom either. No, they had to run toward and confront it and confront it, and the things in, that were imp- oppressing them in their life. Right. And with Max, it was his visions of his failures. Mm-hmm. So by going back and confronting uh, his his inner demons, mm-hmm. as manifested by the literal and, outer demons and of Furiosa Joe, and the and the wives, it was you know going back and confronting their slavery mm-hmm. to set others free, not just themselves. And then for Nux, it was going back and confronting his fellow war boys that mm-hmm. were that subjugated him and brainwashed him mm-hmm. and breaking free of that yep. through his ultimate sacrifice of blowing yep. up the, the, the archway with him underneath it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, other... just a lot of really 
neat themes that are all symbolically tied up in a neat little bow and it's like ah this movie movie is way deeper than you would think it is just watching the trailer right because the trailer is just that act that uh, piece of classical music and um, there's no great monologues or soliloquies or whatever but it tells the story very much and you know through actions speak louder than words it's a very show don't tell kind of movie and Mm -hmm. i like me some show don't tell and this really shows through visuals and audio in which case let's get to beauty yeah oh no Uh, we haven't talked goodness though goodness some of the some of the same things apply but i think the fact that people choose to go back and confront their their oppression their their you know problems and stuff choose to um reject selfishness Mm -hmm. and you know set others free those themes are very good right with with um and also the desire you know, instead of and Max is going from self-preservation to self-sacrifice to protect others mm-hmm. who are in need. But same and with same with all of the characters, really. With mm-hmm. Nuts is going from self-glorification mm-hmm. f- is the purpose of his sacrifices for the War Boys, mm-hmm. which but which he never enacted because he was always caught before he fell off the thing. Mm-hmm. Um. But he turned that into a self-sacrifice for the good of others, mm-hmm. not for his own glory, but for the survival of people he actually liked and cared yeah. about. And I think maybe maybe this slips back and more into the true thing or whatever. But uh, with Joe, his whole deal, the tighter he held on to power, the more it slipped from his grasp. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's there's a lesson to be learned there too. But yeah, the, the important thing is that there all the characters went from very self-interested survivalists mm-hmm. to people freely and totally and faithfully giving themselves up for others that mm-hmm. bore fruit of freedom. Yeah. Which is really cool. And the character of Furios is really cool. The character of Max gets really cool. And it's like, mm-hmm. they're, they're all really well-written characters. Really good performances. Very subtle performances. Very well-written very subtly. I think Nux is played by the same guy who's Beast in X Men. Oh sure, um, and he's been in a few other movies too. But uh, yeah, that's kind of where the goodness lands, I guess. Beauty, yeah, music is pretty wild. The action oh, the, set pieces are wild. The color, so fun to look. Character at. design, world design. You, you look at the trailers of the movie, and it's like it doesn't even show all the good parts. It's just mm-hmm. like this is the general vibe. And it's just fun. And I think it's, another thing that's really impressive about this is how much of it was shot practically. Right. A, a lot of the fire, a lot of the driving, a lot of the car explosions. I think the only computer, the real only computer editing stuff just came in like putting all the pieces together. Like they filmed everything. Right. On location and then, sti- and then stitched Some, it together. And it's really, really shows. There's a real... Um, physicality to the stunts and to the movement and to the whole thing. It's all very believable and very, but while still being over the top, mm-hmm. it's, well, it's very much in the style of like eighties movies where they couldn't do anything but yeah. practical effects. Right. Yep. And it's kind of following up from an eighties series. So I guess that mm-hmm. makes sense. But it's interesting to see in a modern context. Right. Because you expect to see flashy CG all over the place, but when it's not there, it's very, grounded and gritty mm-hmm. in like a yeah yeah i mean there there are speaking of gritty there are some like things that are unpleasant it's like oh that that's grisly that's gruesome mm-hmm. but it's never without a point and it's portrayed as 
grisly and gruesome. Right. Like, this is, you're not supposed to, you know. It doesn't glorify the grisly gruesome. It just treats it as a harsh reality of the world the characters inhabit. To kind of that, be smack you in the face with it a bit. That helps you, that helps the motivations of the characters seem more real when they're like, yeah, we need to break this cycle. We need to get out of here. But yeah, probably more mature viewing. Definitely. Well, it's rated R. Yeah, it is rated R. So, so it, all, all of you listeners who are under 17, yeah. Do we have I may, if if my sister actually listens to it? Yeah. You know who you are. If if you're under 17, thank you thank you for listening. Yeah. <laughs> Someday you'll be able to see what we're talking about in some of these cases. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Or you have already and well, that's your problem. Um but before we before uh, we, Unity, what brings everything together in Mad Max? Takes me a minute to think because I, I didn't like set down the bullet points. This right. is very flying by the seat of my pants here. It's more like how I typically run an episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like um, you watch the movie. There's a very unified visual design. There's a unified all, and we we talked about back and forth about pretty much the same theme of mm-hmm. redemption. Yeah, and that's that theme and what redemption really entails. Because sometimes redemption is. Not so much making up for a past wrong, but just sort of making right the wrongs that have been done to you in your life. Right, because um, in in this scenario, a lot of the wrongs are this society that Joe has built up for it's himself. It's sort of an exercise in redemptive suffering for these people. For the sake of others. Yeah. 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 And so that's low-key kind of the tying thing thing that ties everything together mm-hmm. um maybe it wasn't purposeful to be that this was that christ-like specifically but it's like no, also there wasn't really a specific christ figure in this there were there was, a bunch of people who fit there was of a lot vaguely. of people that were participating in a christ-like sacrifice yeah it, but like in terms of a single unifying thing the, the, the theming is very much there the visuals are there even just like most of the movie takes place on cars mm-hmm. and this theme of travel and running away. Yeah. But then they turn around and run toward it again. Mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. even the, the warrior woman motorcycle ladies help them in the final battle too. Yep. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Because they're, they're sort of, I don't think any settlements have been run, started, but... been destroyed and they're kind of all older now, but so instead of clinging on to the past, they decide to help make a new future for people. So, so yeah yeah good uh cool stuff cool stuff i I, we managed to get i mean my my computer notwithstanding we managed to get through a a duo episode um is this our first duo episode pretty sure is this because there was one time i left and that the first i think that's i think we just had i think when you had john yeah so for for avatar yeah so we always had three at least so but there never was a time that riley wasn't here that it was just us yeah there's sometimes it felt like that and sometimes it felt like it was just you and riley or just me and riley because yeah. of the topic mm-hmm. well we, we keep soldiering on yeah um it's just <laughs> i guess on that note uh thanks for listening to the palladium papists you can listen to us on spotify stitcher Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Palapapists. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or complaints, or suggestions for future episodes, email us at palladiumpapists at gmail.com. So yeah, hopefully next week we'll have Riley back. Or at least John available. Yeah. 
Because um, Riley should be back from where he is mm-hmm. doing his life thing. Yeah. Um, and he'll be stationed at his place where he'll be seminarying. So yeah, it might be good to see some of But yeah, we'll, we'll get Riley back on the pod and then we'll be bringing you more content next week. So, yeah. Bye. Bye.